I am Chris Buskirk. This is the Seth and Chris Show. Happy Monday, everybody. Penultimate segment of the Ultimate Show in Phoenix for a Monday. We're joined by Ned Ryan. He is the founder and CEO of American Majority. He's also a contributor to American Greatness. Ned, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Good to be back with you, Chris. Yeah, I'm glad. Thanks for coming on. Ned, you, um, you're sounding a bit of a, uh, a warning note for Republicans. You wrote, a, uh, uh, I think, a really timely piece for American Greatness called Red Flags Raised Blue Wave Building, question mark, is it? Is it so the, here's the question for you. Is a blue wave building? Well, so the, the, the real argument that I was laying out is, first of all, there should be some cause for concern, Chris. I mean, you look at these state legislative races the last year, and you know Republicans are losing in districts they've held for decades. And they're not losing to conservative opponents. I mean, I made the point, I'm, I'm obviously here in, in Virginia. There were a couple of races where, you know, Bob Marshall held the seat in Virginia's 13th uh, district in the state house. He'd held it for over 20 years, and he lost to a transgender candidate, and he lost by almost 2,000 votes. You know, Did the district change on him? You know, I, I think what happened is, uh, with Bob, is he didn't focus. And this is, you know, this is one of the things, if I'd had more time and really laid out, he was not focused on the right issues, and he's in a northern Virginia district where he's a very socially conservative candidate, which I applaud, but he wasn't talking about the issues that impact people's daily lives. In northern Virginia, transportation infrastructure is a massive issue. Well, guess what his opponent was talking about? Transportation, transportation infrastructure. Infrastructure issues. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things, again, if I had more time, Chris, I would have laid out is Republicans need to understand they need to be talking about, and this is, this is what happened to Hillary in 2016, she really wasn't talking about things that impacted the working class, and therefore the working class didn't vote for. Talk about issues that actually impact people's daily lives. That's what they want to know. Are you going to address the issues? And here in Northern Virginia, infrastructure is a huge issue, but you, know, you look at Virginia 50, where the majority whip, uh, Republican majority whip, outspent his opponent by over half a million, and he lost to a Bernie Sanders socialist candidate again, by almost 2,000 votes. And so, you know, you look at this in Virginia, you look at New Hampshire's fourth, where we have a two-to-one advantage for Republicans, a Democrat won, Oklahoma 46, where the Republican would win by 20 points. He stepped down, seat was vacated, the Democrat won the special by 20 points. You know, you look at Wisconsin's 10th state Senate district, Republicans had held that for 17 years. Trump won the district by 17 points. The Democrat won by 11 points last Tuesday night. And so what I wanted to do was raise some red flags and say, we should not be content here, people. Democrats are in, in, in enthused. There's an enthusiasm gap. In fact, you know, CNN just did a poll today that showed in the generic congressional poll, Democrats are at five points, but they have a 15-point enthusiasm advantage over Republicans. But the thing that was interesting about that poll, Chris, the exact same poll, middle of December by CNN, showed an 18-point advantage for Democrats in the generic poll. So it, it's interesting for me to look at some of these dynamics and go, okay, there are red flags that have been raised. We should be concerned. At the same time, when you see a generic ballot shrink to a third of its difference in a month, yeah, you know what happened between then and now? Well, the tax Something bill, for one thing. Plan. That's right. And so that's one of the points I made as I, I laid out, you know, a president under 50, uh, 50% approval typically loses 36 on average. Republicans only hold the House of Representatives by 24 seats. So I wanted to lay all those out, but then I said the narrative could change. Again, Republicans should be doing the fundamentals, voter contact, fundraising, messaging, all of those things. The tax plan is starting to kick in. Over 200 companies have given bonuses of some sort, whether it's bonuses, pay rates, 401k bonuses. The other point that I made, too, is 
Democrats, I, I've even asked some people that I, you know, I go up on uh, against on TV and said, you know, as a Democrat, what is your message for 2018? And I'm editing the comments because they were kind of colorful, but basically, how would I know? I have no idea what our message is in 2018. I'm like, what is it, impeachment, resistance, put us back in office so we can raise your taxes? One of them actually said to me, Chris, that's right. We would definitely raise corporate taxes. We'd raise the top bracket. I'm like, so it is. Your, your message is put us back in office so we can raise your taxes. And she laughed. And then the third point I made in that article <laughs> towards the end is, what if the narrative completely changes in 2018? And we're seeing this with the House Intel memo. Yeah, you know, what if things right. really start to break into the open and the narrative changes? So I wanted to raise a red flag and say, listen, there are trends that we should be concerned about. Let's do the fundamentals at the same time. 2018 might be a really interesting year that defies defies historical, uh, you know, the historical trends. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that, Ned, which is to say that I think Republicans actually have a strong hand if they just can figure out how to play it. (laughs) Well, you know, the the, the nasty habit that Republicans usually have is somehow managing to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So, you know, I, I look at Republicans and go, please just do the basics. Please just do the basics. Figure out how you can get some policy wins. But make sure you're doing the fundamentals of voter contact, messaging to voters where they're at, and really addressing the needs that affect them day to day. And then, you know, do the best that you can. I, I told my wife after the vote on the Senate floor today, where the, you know, the 81 to 18, uh, they're, they're voting to open the government again, which, by the way, that's a whole other issue I'd love to discuss. But I said, you know, Becca, Republicans usually lose these shutdown fights uh, in the past. And you know what the one big difference is between now and then? It's this guy named Trump right? and his ability to message and go right back at them and, quite frankly, negotiate. I mean, I'm sure you saw the same thing, Chris, where Schumer was on the floor of the Senate complaining about how Trump wasn't talking, etc. I'm like, no, that's what you do as a negotiator. You lay out your deal, say, here's what I'm prepared to negotiate on, and you come back to me, but I'm done talking. And it was pretty amazing to watch Chuck Schumer complaining on the Senate floor, but Trump won. He won. It was, and it wasn't even close. I mean, I think Democrats no. maybe realized that they were not winning the PR battle. They thought it was going to be a layup, right? That that this was going to be a replay of the '90s and of 2013 with the with the prior shutdowns, where everybody was going to rally to their side and Republicans were going to take it on the chin. Not so much. Not so much. And you saw a poll. I think a lot of people saw the poll where it showed 60 percent of people thought it was not the right thing to shut down government over DACA, and. You know, this is just over the last couple of days. And so when you see six out of ten Americans saying this is not a good idea, I think Republic, uh, Democrats saw the handwriting on the wall and realized we'd better reopen government and we'd better figure out how we move forward in negotiating this. But I'm like, Chris, I mean, I wrote a piece for American Greatness, you know, my last piece before this one, just laying out. We've already laid out the parameters. Full funding for a southern wall. Stop chain migration. Stop the visa lottery system. Then, you know, potentially give these people green cards, and I know that there's some disagreement, but when it comes to the DACA Dreamers, maybe there's a path to citizenship at this point. And you know what I've also been thinking about, Chris, since then, since I wrote that piece? If there is, and and there's a big question mark if there is, a path to citizenship for these DACA Dreamers, you correlate it to the completion of the wall. And if the wall's completed in three years, fine. Five years, fine. Seven years, fine. But there's got to be something where there's a correlation between any path to citizenship for them and a completion of a wall. But... You know, the, 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 the parameters for a debate have already been laid out. So when, when Chuck Schumer sits there on the floor and goes, we don't know what the president wants in regards to immigration reform, like, I'm pretty sure most of us have a pretty good idea. No, everybody knows exactly what he, what, what he wants and what, what the Republican base wants. It's in the Goodlatte bill. 
That's right. Exactly. You know what? Exactly. And I've, I've made that point as well. Bob Goodlatte's bill has laid out exactly in many ways what we hope and expect. And, you know, the other thing, too, that needs to be pointed out in this entire debate over shutting down government, DACA, all that stuff, I made this point in the piece, uh, I believe, that I wrote for you, but Democrats used to be for southern border uh, security. You know, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, they all voted for the EMA sector wall. You know, Dick Durbin on the Senate floor in 2010 actually said we should end chain migration. Well, what's happened over the last six, seven, eight, ten years? I think they've been radicalized. I think in many ways the donors and the grassroots of the Democrat base have gotten a hold of these guys, and they realize what they were able to do 10, 11 years ago uh, almost makes it untenable for them inside their party. And it's amazing that you're watching this take place inside the Democrat Party. Nobody's really talking about it. The far left is eating the Democrat Party from within. Because that is, well, I would argue that is the Democrat Party, is the far left, <laughs> right? It is just a far left party now. It, it just, it, it, it isn't what we think of as, as, as um, the Democrat Party, let's say even of the 80s, early 90s. You know, there's no, um, uh, you know, there's no Dick Gebhardt left, a wing right. of the party left. There's no kind of middle American wing. It is, you know, it's a coastal party and it is, look, this is an existential issue for them because they believe that the only way that they can win long term is by importing more voters. That's right. That's right. And that's why I think, you know, the amazing, I was talking to a friend today and I said, you know, in, in all of this negotiation back and forth, Democrats have conceded two things and I'm not sure they realize it. They've conceded that there should be a wall because they've said we'll give funding for the wall. They've conceded that there should be actual funding for that wall. So now all we're discussing is actual funding and the amount of it. And that's, that's the big sticking point. We want $20 billion, period. The uh, I, I, well, we got to go to a break. When we come back, though, I want to ask you about uh, about the wall. I mean, is this a fight? Is this a, a fight over nothing, or is uh, or do they think that they can run on amnesty and win into in November? Ned Ryan is my guest. He is the CEO of American Majority. We'll be right back. I don't know, Ned. Do you think we're allowed to play that song, or is that somehow demeaning to babies who are not American-made? Ned? Ned there? What happened to Ned? We lost Ned. That's not good. All right, Bill's going to call Ned Ryan back because you know what a Phoenix needs? More Ned Ryan. Yeah. Let's uh, let's try and get him back uh, on the line. In the meantime, though, I just want to kind of flesh out some of the things that uh, that we were chatting about with with him. This look here is the issue: is that Republicans uh, are concerned, I think, rightly concerned over the trajectory of uh, of electoral politics right now, uh, heading into a what's sure to be a very contentious midterm uh, race. Oh, we've got Ned back. Ned, you're back. I am back. What happened? Technology is great until it's not great. I know. You missed my, uh, you know, we had great bumper music. We had, uh, what's that song called, Bill? By whom? That's what I was thinking. We had a Anyway, I had I had a great quip. At least I think it was a great quip. But I was looking for you to come in and second it or give me a harumph or at least a a polite laugh. Nothing. No Ned Ryan. You know what? I'm blaming technology. I was sitting here patiently waiting. Thinking you said, where's Chris? To bring me back at any moment. And uh, <laughs> I guess we dropped connection. There we go. Yeah, see, I wanted to know, is this is this song demeaning to uh, if your baby is not American made? Guess what? I don't care. I like the song. 
Right. <laughs> that, that, here's the question. Look, we're going. We're heading into what's going to be a contentious election. Fine. Midterms always are. Elections always right. are. I still right. think that Republicans have the stronger hand if they can play it. So how do you how do you see this working out over the next? I guess it's ten months, basically now or nine months. Um, what, what what do you think? What do Democrats do? Where do, how do they position themselves? Boy, when I hear Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin talking about amnesty, they are sounding like they believe they can run on amnesty as a major centerpiece for their campaign. I think they're mistaken. I think they're they're dramatically mistaken. Um, you know, as, as they were taunting Republicans, saying you're risking everything on your tax bill. You know, I think that was a good calculated risk. It wasn't even a risk in my mind for Republicans to say we're going to actually pass a tax bill that gives American people their money back. Uh, I was so I, I, I laughed during that whole thing, Ned, where you, you'd hear Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin and Pelosi up there say, "You know, you guys are gambling your majority on this on this on this tax bill." Boy, I didn't know they were so concerned about uh, about making sure the Republicans did well this election cycle. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. No, and I think I think Democrats are going to make um, another big bet on their side, in which they are going to play to their far left donors and base and say we're going to give these illegals uh, amnesty. And so I don't think I think they are seriously misplaying this because they're listening to certain voices, but not to the the, the middle of the road, common sense American working class. Yeah. I just don't see it working in such a way. Listen, people want to solve the DACA Dreamer situation. They want to solve it in a way that is you know, just and equitable. But we're not talking about amnesty for everybody that came in illegally of their own volition. And that's a completely different story. And so I think they're looking at some of these polls where, you know, a lot of the American people want to deal with the DACA Dreamer situation for. I think the newest figure is 690,000 uh, DACA dreamers. And then they're, you know, extrapolating that to mean millions and millions. And that's not, I don't think, what the American people want. I feel pretty confident in that and saying, do they want to deal with the DACA dreamer situation? Yes. Do they want to deal with all of the illegals and give them amnesty? Absolutely not. And so I think what the Republicans do moving forward is say, hey, we've, we've laid out the parameters, as we were discussing in the previous segment. They sell like crazy the tax plan, and I think what they need to do next, Chris, on this is say, we are going to do our best. If you give us the majority again in 2019, we're going to make the small business pass-through tax permanent, and we're going to make the individual rate permanent. And I think they really need to sell that, and I think they also need to talk about how they're going to responsibly deal with entitlement reform, because that, again, is one of the huge issues. I think Democrats are going to double down, again, on immigration, amnesty, but honestly, Chris, again, like I was saying in the previous segment, when I talk to Democrats that I'm opposite uh, of on TV, they can't give me a straight answer as to what the actual message is for Democrats in 2018, except for we're not them. And I'm like, at a certain point, you actually have to have a compelling vision for what are you going to do for the American people. And quite frankly, because they have, they have doubled down so long on identity politics, I'm not really sure if they have a message beyond identity politics. And it's it's kind of fascinating to watch. And again, if they're open and honest about what they really want, well, it's socialism. And I'm pretty sure the American people do not want socialism. So I, I really don't know what the message is and what Democrats run on. Republicans do the right thing. They do all the fundamentals. They message correctly on the tax plan. They continue to push the right things with this House Intel memo and, ch- and start to change the narrative. You know, I think they're going to lose some seats in the House, but I think they can keep the majority in the House and maybe even pick up a couple seats in the Senate. What do you think the best? Uh, what do you think the best options uh, are for taking a, picking up a seat or two in the Senate? Are 
You know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, Josh Hawley in Missouri, yeah. the, the, the sitting attorney general. Yep. Um, and, and, and the reason I say this, I don't think there's going to be a messy, contentious primary where the establishment and the grassroots are going to try and take each other's heads off. There really is some consensus behind Josh. Uh, and that's a, that's a good Kevin. that's a good get, right? I mean, he's he's solid, and you know, not only do you flip uh, a D to an R, but you get a really good R. You, you do, and he's you know late thirties, so he's a young guy. He's really proven he's he's got some conservative credentials. You know, federal society loves him. So I tell people, listen, Josh Hawley, even though the establishment guys claim him, let's face it, uh, the federal society and a lot of conservative groups. We're behind him strongly, investing millions into his attorney general's race. So he's really an anti-establishment guy, and it's good to see the establishment guys come along. Um, I think we've got a, I think we've got a legitimate shot with Kevin Nicholson up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, again, there's a primary up there, so we'll see who, if he gets through. But I, I like his chances, and I think he's got a legitimate shot of taking out Tammy Baldwin. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, we can look at West Virginia. You can look at some of the others. What do you think about a place like Ohio and Montana? Well, see, with Josh Mandel dropping out in Ohio, yeah. uh, I'm not really sure about our chances there. I think Rosendell in Montana is a very good candidate, but I'm not really sure that we've seen a compelling case for Montana and uh, you know the Montana voters to throw out John Tester. So I think what I want to see happen is Republicans be very aggressive on eight Senate races, make them spend money uh, in places they maybe weren't expecting to, and let's say, let's try and pick up two or three seats, give ourselves a little bit of breathing room in the Senate, and if we pick up more, that's great. Um, you know, but I, I would like to see us pick up two or three. And the, the way that we're going to do it is make them play defense on as many places as possible. And I, I think we've got a legitimate chance um, in, in some of these let me, let me ask you this, Nick, because we're running a little short of time. But just quickly, how do you look at you're, – you're not here. What, how do you look at the Arizona Senate race? You know, I, 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 I'm kind of curious now, now that McSally has jumped in that race. I know that a lot of the grassroots has gotten beyond Kelly Ward. Um, you know, I think McSally just entered, what, a week ago. So I'm kind of just interested to see where everything shakes out on that front. But, again, I think Kelly Ward's got the grassroots locked down. So that's obviously what winning. Don't forget we've got Arpaio now in the race now, too. Oh, my God. Right, so right. we've got a, we've got a, we've got a <laughs> scrum here. It's, it's going to be You've weird got a for sure. primary coming up. Yeah. Ned Ryan, founder, CEO, American Majority. You can check him out. What's your Twitter? Uh, Ned Ryan, N-E-D-R-Y-U-N. Very good. And you can see his latest. Uh, it's up right now at AmericanGreatness, amgreatness.com. Ned, thanks so much. We'll have you back again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris.